Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. We can turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read you uh, from two different places this morning. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 16. I'm also going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, and uh, we're going to continue our series entitled Trutch. Uh, what we see as church, the rest of the world sees as trutch. They see it completely backwards. And so we've been talking about the church and, and what is the church and what should the church look like and what's the purpose of the church and all these things. But um, uh, we had a great Easter last week. I mean, you guys had a great Easter weekend, Resurrection weekend. Come on. We had a great one here at Urban. We had our egg hunt out in the field. It was awesome. Um, we had so many eggs. We had like 1,500 eggs. Like each kid got like 60 eggs. It was awesome. And uh, we had so many eggs, I actually saw adults grabbing bags and running on the field and grabbing eggs as well. And I thought maybe they were just picking up a few of them for us to, like, well, there's way too many eggs for all the kids. No, they were cracking them open at the end, eating the candy and taking the prizes and, and all sorts of stuff. So we had a great weekend last weekend, uh, a lot of new people. We had a lot of fun. Um, me personally, I had some people over to my house afterwards, and, and uh, right before all of them showed up is when the earthquake hit. Now, uh, got, it probably seems like a silly question, but how many of you guys felt the earthquake? Okay. Now you say, well, yeah, I mean, of course we felt. Didn't everybody feel it? Actually, I've talked to people that did not feel the earthquake. I mean, how in the world you could not feel the earthquake? So I was talking to this one guy. He's like, no, I was out for a run, and I didn't feel the earthquake. And my thought is, is how do you run? You know, I mean, it's like, me, I run in a straight line, and so I don't know how this person, but he didn't feel the earthquake at all. Somebody else was on a bike, and they didn't feel it. But um, we, we definitely felt it. I live two, uh, two blocks away, and, uh, and we live in, a, in an 18-story high-rise, and we live at the bottom. And, uh, and so when this, this earthquake hit, um, I wasn't so much, here's the thing. Now, hear, hear my heart on this. I'm not, I know I'm going to heaven when I die, okay? So dying's not the problem. It's the process in which I die that I'm afraid of, okay? And so, you know, the, our, we start wobbling and shaking. As a matter of fact, uh, it was right for so Cody was over. My brother-in-law was over, and the kids were playing out in the patio. And so I was out there playing with them on the patio, and I come walking back in, and all of a sudden Cody's just sitting there, and he goes, we're having an earthquake. And he said it so casually, he said it so casually, I was like, shut up. And all of a sudden I stood there, and all of a sudden it started really hitting. I was like, no, dude, we're having an earthquake. And so he runs over and grabs onto the TV. That's the first thing he thought of. Thank you. Thank you for saving my, my television, Cody. That was awesome. And so he didn't want the television to fall. He was like, there's something good on today. I'm not going to miss it, you know. And uh, me, I'm like, kids, get inside. And, and uh, so I grab the kids, and then I, t- I grab my wife's over there cooking for everybody. And so I tell everybody to get in the bathroom. Because I heard that one time that bathrooms are the safest places to be because they got these, the, all the what's a smaller chamber. And I've actually Googled it, and it's true, all right? So don't get weird on me, all right? And so it's a really good place to be, not only because it's safe, but if you get scared and you need to go, man, you're right there, all right? And so it is prime place to be. And so... We all ran into the, the restroom, and we started praying. At least I started praying. Um, my youngest, Faith, five, she didn't know what was going on, and she started, she started crying. Um, but so we're all in there, we're praying. And also my wife interrupts my passionate prayer for help. <laughs> um, she goes, Ben, 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 like what? She goes, the dog. And I'm thinking, yeah, the dog's still out there. And I'm like, I ain't going out there to get the dog, right? And she's, she's worried about the dog. And I'm starting to think I rank lower than the dog now, you know? And she's like, go get the dog. And I'm like, okay. And so I open the door, and we're like shaking, you know. And I see my dog. My dog is frozen. I have this little toy poodle, and it's just frozen. Not knowing what to do, just, just petrified. And I was like, angel, come here. She just sits there. 
I was like, Angel, come here. And she just, I was like, dang it. So I gracefully ran out as the earthquake was happening. I picked up the dog. I ran back in, and, and, and we, were all, we were all safe. Um, and obviously, you were safe as well. And, you know, people have been asking me, Ben, is this, is this the end times? Is it, what's happening? Is, is the end near? Is this the end times? I mean, is, is California going to break off? You know, in 2012, all right? Is California going to break off and fall into the ocean? And I'm like, no, I hope California breaks off and becomes an island because then my property value goes out the roof, you know? It's like, okay. Anyway, maybe you don't own property. Um, but can you imagine if also we became an island? I mean, my condo is going to be worth like double, you know? But they're asking me, what, what is this? Is this the end times? And, and I assured them, yes, this is the end times. <laughs> it really is. Theologically speaking, the end times has been ever since Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. So literally for over the last 2,000 years, we've been living in the end times. This is the end times, okay? And, and one thing we know is this, is that tomorrow will be a lot closer than the end than we were today, okay? Now, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know the exact time and all that stuff. But we do know that every day that goes by, yes, this is the end times. And yes, we're getting closer. And so people are asking me, is this earthquake, is the big one coming, you know? And uh, let me just give you a couple references. I won't read them, but Matthew 24, 7, Mark 13, 8. And Luke 21, 11, I'll talk about earthquakes increasing. But it also talks about famines and wars and rumors of wars. And, and sure, yes, all these things, all right, all these things are going to add up. And yes, these are signs of the end times. And I've got to be honest with you, um, I thought about it. And I was like, man, why couldn't the earthquake happen on Saturday, right before Easter, you know? Because I know there would have been a whole lot more people going to church the next day on Easter Sunday, you know? Or like early in the morning, you know, as people are waking up, I'm going to church, you know? And so uh, I've been used a little bit, you know, like, yeah, it is the end times. Are you right with Jesus? <laughs> you know, um, hey, if people are going to ask, uh, I'm going to tell them. And, uh, and so people have asked, so I just wanted to share that with you. Here's some verses you can look at um, there in Matthew 24, 7, Mark 13, 8, and Luke 21, uh, 11. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk today about church. Let's talk today about the church because I think it's all going to tie together with what took place and what's happening in our city and, uh, and what we've been talking about. Let me give you this definition. I'll read the scripture. I'll pray, and then we'll just uh, share a few thoughts. Trutch. When we started the series about four weeks ago, um, you know, it just kind of came to us. You know, we wanted to talk about the church. But once again, what people see as the church is not what we see. If you're an avid churchgoer, you, you kind of have something that pops into your mind the minute you think about church. Okay, maybe it was the worship. Maybe it's, well, we, we, we get the word there. Or maybe it's community. Or, or something pops. When you hear the word church, something pops into your mind. So I asked several of our leaders to go out and just ask some unchurched people what's the first thing that pops into their mind when they hear the word church, okay? And then we took all these things and we compiled and we put it together, and this is our definition of trutch. This is what the world sees. It's that slightly odd group of people that gather together on Sunday morning. Just look around. You're sitting next to a slightly odd person, okay? That slightly odd group of people that gather together on a Sunday morning and talk about irrelevant things pertaining to a guy named Jesus that did some fascinating stuff a long time ago and also had some good teachings. An organized religious group that wants my money. A place where I get judged. A building with a steeple on it. Did you guys see our steeple when you pulled up this morning? We're going to put one on next week. Okay? This is what people, unchurched people, this is what they think about when they hear the word church. They see it completely different than we do. They see it backwards. They don't see the same thing. Why? Because we've come to realize that there is purpose behind the church, that there is value, that there is meaning, that this is something that is a part of what God's doing. Okay? This is not a place where we come to get judged. No, this is a place where we come and realize, man, I'm not the only one with issues. Right? 
And that there's other people with issues just like me and that we're all just pursuing Jesus and, and allowing His grace and His love and His mercy to, 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 to surround me and begin to build me into the person that He wants me to be. So here's my definition of church. This is what I see when I hear the word church. This is what I want urban to look like. And it's a life-giving, loving community of Christ's followers who believe in the power of the Word of God to change the world. A community of people, that's us, that really believe in the power of this thing right here to change the world. Yes, the world at large, but also your world. Your financial situation. Guess what? The Bible talks about finances. It talks about being a good steward. It talks about how I can... Are you with me this morning? Okay? So this is what we mean when we're changing the world. Okay? It can change your relational structure. It can change your marriage. It, everything we need for life and godliness is found right here in the Word of God. This is church, a life-giving, loving community of Christ followers who believe in the power of the Word of God to change the world. Let's read Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll jump over to 1 Thessalonians 5. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Okay. In other words, it's the same question that's being asked today. They're not asking who Jesus is. They're asking, what's the church about? Who's the church? But it's the same question, because Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In other words, all these people got it wrong. They're seeing church. Well, he wants them to see church. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Why? Because we need to have a proper understanding so that people can understand. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. He's talking to the church at Thessalonica. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. In other words, all the Christ followers, all those that believe in Jesus, you're not in darkness. For you are children of the light, children of the day. We are not a, of the night or of the darkness. So then let, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and of love for the helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but is uh, to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another or tell one another, build up one another just as you are doing. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments as we talk about your word, that God, we would see you in it. And God, we'd see how it relates to our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
Man, we've talked a lot about a lot of things over the last several weeks when it comes to this series, Trudge. We've talked about what the church is not, and we've kind of exposed that. We've, we've taken some myths about the church and said this is the way the people see the church. They see Trudge, but those things aren't true. This is not a place where you go to get judged. And my wife preached a phenomenal message that weekend on that. This is not a place we go to get judged. This is a place of ultimate freedom. Now, I don't mean church. I mean a life in Jesus Christ. But when we come together, man, there is something that happens. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. Not only that, think about it. Um, When you go into a dark room and you turn on a flashlight, man, that flashlight does a job wherever you point it. But if all of a sudden you get a lot of people together, because the Bible says we're the light of the world, if you get a lot of flashlights together, and we turn on all those flashlights together, that darkness is not only, you know, just hidden in a corner, that darkness is completely gone. And so when we come together as a body of believers, man, it's like one big light shining for our people in San Diego to see and to find the grace, the love, and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We've talked about a lot of it. We've talked about what the church is. We've defined the church. We've shared our own personal stories and circumstances and how we've seen church. And we've talked a little bit about the priority of the church, but today I want to talk to you in the next few moments about the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church to me is seen right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 11, as we read it this morning. The purpose of the church, ladies and gentlemen, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the purpose of the church is to tell everybody else, because we know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, hey look, you guys know that God is, or Jesus is coming like a thief. So therefore, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised when he comes. And as Christ followers, because we know that, it is now our job to prepare people. It's our job to plan for it. And it's our job to proclaim it. Okay? Because he's coming. Uh, Last Friday night, uh, I picked up my wife and my daughter from the airport as they flew back in from Seattle. And they got in really late. And uh, so we ended up going to bed like at midnight. And uh, shortly after falling to bed, about two hours later, uh, I heard my patio. I live just two blocks away right here in downtown. And we have a pretty large patio. And all of a sudden, I heard my patio gate just begin to ba-boom, 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 just for a couple seconds. And it woke me up. And I just kind of dazed for a minute. And my wife woke up. And all of a sudden, I p- pulled back my curtain. I looked outside. And someone had climbed into my patio. And when at first, I, I, I looked. And I was just kind of dazed. And for some reason, I thought it was my brother-in-law. He was coming onto my patio. I was like, what is he doing here at 2 o'clock in the morning? I'm just you know, I'm wiping sleep out of my eyes. And all of a sudden, I look. And I'm like, no, man, there's somebody on my patio. Just took me a couple of seconds to come through. I was startled, you know. I was like, whoa, what's going on? And so all of a sudden, I, I pound on my, my window, and I go, like, hey, what are you doing? Well, when I did that, he was on my patio, but he was looking up. Like, he was looking for something. So I did that. It, like, shocked him and startled him. And he quickly, you know, ran, and I tried running around, and I was going to tackle him, and I was going to, you know, I wasn't saved at 2 o'clock in the morning, all right? I was, was going to take care of him, you know? And, uh, and so by the time I got out there, though, my wife, she was peeking behind the curtains, and he had jumped back over the fence and left and, and whatnot. This startled me because I had no clue he was coming. I didn't know at 2 o'clock in the morning someone was going to be breaking into my patio, you know, looking around for stuff. And so, man, it, it caught me off guard. It shocked me, okay? Had I known he was coming, I would have prepared for it, okay? This is what the Bible's saying. Hey, look, you know... First Thessalonians 5, you know that God has come. Jesus will return. You know it's going to happen. So don't be caught off guard. I was caught off guard because I had no idea. And then I had a hard time going back to sleep because I just bought my daughter's this amazing, like, like, like playhouse that I'm going to set up on the patio. But it wasn't put together yet. And so it was just in the box. And I, was, I saw him not laid there thinking someone's going to take my daughter's playhouse. <laughs> I don't know why a 20-something-year-old man would want my daughter's playhouse. But, you know. So I laid there awake. Couldn't go back to sleep. Jerk. So then... 
I thought about this for a minute. If I had known he was coming, that night would have been completely different. Completely different. Had I known that somebody, had, had I known, hey, tonight, 2 o'clock, someone's going to come on my patio, I would have planned, I would have prepared, and I would have told everybody in my house, hey, tonight, 2 o'clock. Now listen to me. If I pulled my wife aside and I said, hey, babe, I need to tell you something, she goes, okay, what? And I said, hey, tonight at 2 o'clock, someone's breaking on my patio. She probably would have laughed at me. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, really, someone, someone's going to break on my Babe, you are weird. Babe, you already knew that, but you chose to marry me anyway, okay? <laughs> no, tonight, listen, I would do anything and everything in my power to tell her that tonight at 2, someone's coming on my patio. Now, what she chooses to do with that, that's completely up to her. You know, the same is true as the church. It is our job to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our job to proclaim that, you know what, Jesus really is going to return. Can I just break this down for you a moment? Uh, the purpose of the church is really simple. Because people come in, they, they, they want to know what kind of church we are. Well, you want to know what kind of church we are? Tent urbanism, 9.15 Sunday mornings. <laughs> they want to know what kind of church we are. Are you, are you one of those faith churches? Are you a prosperity church? Are you, you know, all these questions. I, say, I don't know. All I know is we're a church that believes in Jesus Christ. Okay? We're a church that believes there really is a real God. There really is a real devil. There really is a real heaven and a real hell. And if you don't get Jesus Christ in your life, you're going to end up in hell. That's it, plain and simple. And it is the job of the church to proclaim that message. It is not our job to make people believe it. It is not our job to, to, to just, you know, you will do this and you will. No, it's just simply, hey, look, this is the truth. This is the way it is. Now you have to choose what you're going to do with it. So I could, tell, I could tell my wife that night, you know, hey, and it's her choice. But one thing's for sure, I'm going to tell her. But the other thing, I would have been to plan, I would have been going to prepare. I would have went and found like the biggest thing I had in my house that I could beat this guy up with. I know it sounds horrible and violent. You're a pastor. You're not supposed to do Not at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not a pastor, okay? <laughs> hey. I would have found whatever. And I don't really have a whole lot of big objects. I was, you know, whether it be a big knife. And I thought I could grab a bat. I don't even have a bat, you know. And so I get to get a big wooden spoon, you know. Get off my patio, you know. That's what I spank my daughters with, you know. You spank your children too? Okay. I would have found something large, you know, whether it's something I could hit them with, throw at them, something. Are you with me? I'm not, you know, and, and, and it would have been the other way around. I would have shocked him. I would have surprised. Are you with me this morning? I, I'm doing everything to prepare. Not only that, I would have found all the glass in my house, and I would have broke it up into little pieces, and I would have got super glue, and I would have put it all along my fence. So when he went to jump over, <laughs> Are you with me? Maybe you didn't think about it, but now that you're like, that's not a bad idea, actually. You know? Teach them to climb over my fence. So then what he's, I'm talking about doing whatever it takes to prepare for this guy breaking in to my patio. Okay? And things would have been vastly different. He would have climbed over, got cut up. He would have been crying. And just as he's looking at his hand crying, I would have, bam! <laughs> Get off my patio. <laughs> okay? And then my wife would have been there, too, you know, because she would have believed me. <laughs> said, wow. See, everything would have been turned. Everything would have been changed. Okay? Now listen to me. Jesus is not a thief. Okay? He's not going to come and steal something from you. But what the Bible is saying is that this is the way, exactly the way that guy came onto my patio unexpectedly. That's the way Jesus is going to come. Now because we know that he's going to come like that, he says this, hey, don't sleep like everybody else does. Don't, don't, don't get involved in that. Listen to me, if you knew that Jesus Christ was coming back, let's just say it's 11, 11.20 right now. If you knew that Jesus Christ was coming back at 12, what would you do? 
Um, what? <laughs> Think about it for me. What would you do? Are you ready? Are you prepared? I mean, is everything right here? Are you right with God? Are you right with those neighbors and people you know? Are you prepared? Are you ready? I mean, think about it. If there's something you would do between now and 12, you should probably do it between now and whenever. <laughs> and get ready. Because you don't know. We know he's coming. And we know it's going to be a shock when he comes. But for us that are living in the light, we're to be prepared. We're to be, it doesn't matter if I'm asleep, it doesn't matter if I'm awake, it doesn't matter if I'm work at church, it doesn't matter where I'm at, why? Because this right here, my spirit is right with God, my soul is right with God, and no matter when he comes back, boom. I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to be caught doing when he returns is sinning. You know, are you with me? I mean, just think, that one time when you actually sin, you know, you, the one time you actually, you know, decided to sin, you know, because I know you haven't, but let's just play with me, okay? That one time you decided to sin, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up, how dumb would you feel? Oh, shoot, you know, should have been doing that, okay? We've got to make sure that we're ready at all times. We are not like those that live in darkness, but here's the thing. Listen, we've got to plan, we've got to prepare, but listen to me, number three, we've got to proclaim. We must proclaim. Listen to me, it's not, it would not have just been enough for me to wait for my wife, just, just wait for my wife to fall asleep, and then sneak out of bed, you know, and go super glue the glass on top and then just be waiting with the big whatever I find, you know? I'm waiting. And also my wife wakes up. Where's my husband? She walks out and I'm sitting there. She would think I'm a freak. <laughs> it's not enough just for me to prepare. It's not enough just for me to plan. No, it goes on the very last verse and it says this, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We must, yes, prepare each other. We must plan together, but we must proclaim to everybody in the house that, hey, Jesus really is coming back. Are you right with him? See, I've gotten lots of questions over the last week. Is this the end times? Man, is the big one happening? And, and I had a guy, literally, man, he, I'd, I'd never seen somebody run so fast. He was on the fifth floor. Then I, was, I, was, I kind of came out after the earthquake, and all of a sudden this guy comes bolting out of the door, and he's like frantic, and he's looking around. He's like, dude, that was crazy. I was like, what floor are you on? He goes, the fifth? I can't even imagine. I have friends on the 17th floor in the penthouse. I haven't seen them since. So I don't know if they're like, still stuck up there or what, but um, I really haven't seen them since. It's kind of scary. But This guy comes running out. And he's freaking out. And I'm talking with him. He's just like, literally, he's sweating and he's shaking. And I'm just, you know, I was, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit like, you know, but once again, not because I'm going to die, but how I die, you know. I'm just not a fan of pain. I can just imagine 17 floors sitting on top of me. And I'm like, help, you know. Hey, not a big fan of that. <laughs> this guy's freaking out. And I'm talking with him and I realize something. If you don't know where you're at with God, earthquakes are very freaky but so is getting in a car and driving to work every day. When something happens, he was freaked out because, man, if it's over for him, it's over. But for us that know Jesus Christ, listen to me. I, I, it's not my job to get lots of people to believe it. It's just my job to proclaim it. Ezekiel 33 has a story about the watchman on the tower. And the Bible says this, that you are a watchman on the tower. You can read it later. Just write it down, Ezekiel 33. You're a watchman on the tower. And if you see danger coming and you don't warn the people, guess who gets in trouble? You do. But if you warn the people, hey, Jesus Christ is coming, 
And if you're not right with him, because the Bible says that he's the way, the truth, the life, and no one gets to heaven except through him, if you're not right with him, guess what? You're going to the other place that starts with an H. Hell. That's, I really believe that. Okay? But if I don't tell him, it's my fault. But if I proclaim it, now listen to me, I'm talking about me here from this, from this but if we don't proclaim it, because this is the purpose of the church, it is to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ, that he really is the way, the truth, the life, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is good news. Why is that good news? Because the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Oh my gosh, then, then what do I do? If, if, if I've got sin and Jesus came, what do I do? 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. And you find life in Jesus Christ. Listen to me, it is plain and simple. The message of the church is plain and simple. But somewhere I feel like we've lost it. I was talking to somebody this last week, and I'll close with this. I was talking to somebody this last week about Jamie Oliver's food revolution. Have you guys seen the previews for that? How many of you guys have watched it? Okay. How many of you guys feel like you're just getting fit just by watching it? It's like, oh, man, I feel like I lost five pounds right there in 60 minutes. I'm just going to watch this every week, and I will be fit. Okay. And I was talking to this person, and I said, well, why do you like watching it? Because there's all sorts of food, you know? I mean, this guy's got this idea that, you know, that, that hey, there's a lot of obese people, and I'm going to revolutionize their life by making them thin. Okay? I said, why do you watch this? And, and she said this, because he's just so passionate. And it hit me right then at that moment. He's passionate because he really does believe that he has the ability to make those obese people thin. He really does believe that he can go into the school system and begin to show them a healthier way of doing food so that we're not feeding children crud. And so now he's passionate because he has one mission and one goal and one intent, and that is to make an obese nation healthy. And he's passionate because he believes it. What about the church of Jesus Christ? What about you and what about me? Are we passionate about the message? I feel like some of us have gotten so distracted by so many things. Well, what's the purpose of the church? Well, it's, it's to do a homeless ministry. Well, what's the purpose of the church? Well, we've got to have community groups. Or what's the purpose of the church? Well, we've got to have good worship. And what's the purpose of the church? And we've got to have a, a tall, handsome guy up on stage preaching to me. That was me in case you missed it. Okay. And we gotta have, we got to have these things, and, and that's the church. Listen to me. All of those things can be a part of the church, except for the tall, handsome guy that's only here at Urban, okay? All these things can be a part of the church, but listen to me. They are not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, if we could just get back and get focused, is one thing. That there is a real heaven, there is a real hell, and that without Jesus Christ, you're going to the second one. Plain, simple, that's the purpose of the church. Over. Done end if all of these other things though they begin to and so we've lost our passion somewhere along the way but man what would happen if we could get to where this jamie oliver guys that he really believes that he can revolutionize do you really believe that you can revolutionize your workplace that you can revolutionize your city that you can revolutionize your home that you really have the answer that you really know what's happening this is the purpose of the church to proclaim 
the good news of Jesus Christ. What is that good news? The good news is that Jesus stepped in the way from the wrath of God so that you and I would not have to receive the punishment for our sin. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see, if you understand the gospel message, it's real simple. That when sin happens, God is angry. And the only way to appease his anger is death. And that's why in the Old Testament, as you read through the Old Testament, you see sacrifices, animal sacrifices taking place. Because that animal sacrifice would come in as a substitution for our death. It was temporary, it was momentary. But it would come in and it would substitute, it would, it would appease the anger and the wrath of God towards sin. But then the one substitute, Jesus Christ, came. And he stood in the way for all of us. And when he died on that cross, listen to me, he became a covering and a shield for all humanity. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would open up and let me in, I would come in and I would be their covering. I would, I would, I would appease the anger of God burning towards sin. So here's what happens, is people choose, and they come under the cross. And they come under that cross, and the, the anger of God, the wrath of God is coming down on humanity. But all those who come underneath the cross are shielded by the love, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus. Everyone else that does not choose, they're on this side of the cross. The cross is still there. The cross is still available. Man, it's still open, and the grace, the love, the mercy, it's all still there. But they're not under the covering. And so here's the cross. All of us are on this side being shielded, being, being covered by the grace, the mercy, and the love. But here's everybody else, and the wrath of God is coming down. Man, there's two sides to the cross. There's the love of God but there's also the wrath of God. And our job as a church is to proclaim 1 Thessalonians 5. He's coming. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready here? Are you at right standing with God? Are you at right standing with others? This is the purpose of the church. God.